Megan Wilson is no stranger to the craft beer industry, having worked for beer giants including Boston Beer Co. and currently Mass Bay Brewing Company as the Director of Digital Strategy. Megan sits down to talk about marketing in the alcohol space and the rules and regulations you have to follow. We talk about the collaborations with other major organizations including Duncan and Reebok, and she gives us some insight into what makes Harpoon Brewery so special and gives us a story as to why it was only one party away from failure over 25 years ago. Join us for a lesson in social media and donut beer. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody, episode 301 of the Better on Draft podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Real quick shout out make sure to go to our social medias. It's Better on Draft on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Untapped. And of course, if you're listening to us via the podcast, come check us out Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on Facebook.com forward slash Better on Draft and Twitch.tv forward slash Bod Podcast. Let's go around and see how everyone is doing and what they are drinking, starting with Wendy. Wendy, what do you got? Well, uh, today I am drinking a Harpoon Duncan coffee roll, and on tap next, I have a Harpoon Duncan cold brew, which I'm very excited about. And we also got Dan. Dan, what do you got? Hey, I'm trying this Harpoon Open League non-alcoholic hazy IPA. Perfect. For myself, I've got a Duncan pumpkin uh, from Harpoon, as well as the uh, Harpoon Open League myself. Always good to pair a beer with an N.A. beer. But our guest from Harpoon Brewing, Megan, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, who you are and what you do there. Yeah, my name is Megan Wilson. I'm the director of digital strategy at Harpoon. Uh, I've been uh, with Harpoon for the last three years. We've been in beer for about almost 10 years. I worked, uh, spent some time at Sam Adams um, before I was here at Harpoon. Um, but yeah, really excited to be here. And I'm also drinking the coffee roll and I have the open league on deck. Well, the first thing I want to talk about, you are a, you have a history in social media and working in social media. And prior to the show beginning, we were talking about, um, the policies of social media and the industry of alcohol. Uh, you guys are in fact on TikTok, which we are as well. That's at better on draft, uh, which you could follow them at, at harpoon brewery, but, my question to you is, is what would you say to others who feel discouraged about creating some type of TikTok account or uh, social media account within the industry because they're afraid of uh, the ban hammer? Yeah, I mean, like you, like we were talking about, technically, we're not supposed to be on TikTok. Really, the one big limitation that we have is that we cannot do any social advertising on TikTok. Um, so we do have our account there. But like you said, we could kind of get shut off at any point. You know, if they wanted to do that, they had every right to. Um, and there's also definitely some concerns sometimes with your content being shadow banned. Um, and we've definitely had that happen both on TikTok and Instagram. I know a lot of breweries have had that happen. Um but I think for us, TikTok, you know, was a really important place for us to be uh, because there were other breweries there. And also that's just kind of where 
things are headed and we want to get a head start on being there and establishing ourselves. It's also just a great place for us to get ideas for content. You know, sometimes it feels like a little bit of a cheat code to like take a TikTok trend that maybe we're a little bit to the game on and bring it over to Instagram when those folks might not have seen it yet. If they're not on TikTok, they might see a reel and be like, oh, like this is a really unique idea that Harpoon came up with, but actually we stole it from TikTok and brought it on over. Um, So it's definitely great uh, to, you know, be there for that ideation um, so yeah. Now a lot of breweries are stretched thin. A lot of them are just you know family breweries. Some of them are both the bartender, the janitor, the brewer, everything like that. Uh, getting into social media, how would you? What what kind of tips would you give them uh, to help them ease into social media for promotion and um, allowing them to you know increase their brand uh, awareness? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're able to have at least one person fully dedicated to it, like that's really kind of a baseline. But if not, definitely, you know, someone in your tap room who has a pulse on what's going on in the tap room and and knows their way around social media and that you trust to represent the brand in a public facing way. Um, But really, I think for me, one of the biggest differences I had was they wanted me on TikTok and I said, you have to give me an intern. Like I have to have at least somebody to help me because one of the things is, is, you know, I'm 35 years old and my, you know, for your page looks a lot different than what it looks like for a 23 year old. Um, So it's almost like a necessity that you need to get an intern who's, uh, you know, 22 to 24 just to even be able to see the trends. Um, and it's kind of funny. We actually made a TikTok about this, but like I actually task my intern with like finding trending TikToks and then putting them in like an Excel spreadsheet for me. I feel like such a boomer asking them to do that. But like it's been like the best process to be able to make it work. Um, so it is a little embarrassing to admit that, but it's, you know, one of the ways that we're able to kind of keep up. So what she'll do is take trends that she sees puts them in a spreadsheet, and then I take a look at them and figure out, okay, how does this make sense for Harpoon to participate in this conversation, or what can we do with it? Um, And then, you know, once a week on Thursdays is when we shoot all of our content. So we really kind of have to set aside the time and space to do that. Um, So like this week, for example, we went out to the Big E, which is kind of like the Massachusetts State Fair, um, and we went and tried all the weird foods and, you know, got content about it. Um, And, you know, it it took us out of the office for the entire day, but it's really important to be able to set time aside to be able to do storytelling and create content. Well, before I pass it off to Wendy, my final question for you, uh, as I'm drinking the Dunkin' Pumpkin, um, how did the uh, collaboration with Dunkin' happen? And what am I getting from this beer? Because it just tastes, um, I mean, I'm just getting pure pumpkin and cinnamon and nutmeg maybe. Yeah, yeah. We um so we started partnering with Duncan back in 2018. Um and at that point it was just a coffee porter. So the first couple of years of the partnership, we were only doing, you know, one release. And really the partnership just kind of came about because we're two iconic New England brands. Um, So we actually tend to collaborate more frequently with non-beer brands. So, you know, Duncan is a big example of that. Um, we've partnered with Reebok um, for our rec league beer. Um, and we just have a lot of examples of different collaborations that we've done. So a couple of years ago, we decided, you know, 
let's have some more fun with this. Let's do a mix pack. Um, so last year we had like a jelly donut IPA um, and we had a bunch of different interesting styles, but the Dunkin' Pumpkin has definitely been a fan favorite and we've dialed it up over the past few years to make it a little bit sweeter. Um, and this year we actually, um, there's oat milk in it instead of lactose. Um, so oh we really kind of collaborate with Dunkin' on what are the trends that they're seeing um, to be able to kind of help us inform what goes into our beer. And we do use like their coffee suppliers and like in the coffee roll beer, like we did toss, you know, coffee rolls into the tank. We, we, we posted a TikTok about that. Um, but we really work very closely with their culinary team to nail the flavors and to use the same kind of ingredients that they're using in their products. So uh, I have lots of questions because <laughs> I um, loved my visit to Harpoon when I was in Boston a few years ago. Um, hands down, one of the funnest brewery tours that I have ever been on. Uh, I don't even know how to describe that. Um, but one of the things that always stuck with me was the fact that in 1986, Harpoon received the brewery license number 001 in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So I was wondering if you could share that story for those who haven't been to the tap room. Oh, yeah. So that's definitely a big point of pride for us, because I think when a lot of people come to Boston, you know, they typically do the Sam Adams tour and they come to Harpoon and do our tour. And I think a lot of people probably assume that Sam Adams would be the first brewery, but um, they actually started brewing in Pennsylvania and Cincinnati before they were brewing in Boston. Um, and I and I love Sam Adams. I spent five years of my career there, so I'm, I'm a proud Boston beer alum. But um you know, Harpoon, yeah, we, we had the first brewing license that came out after Prohibition. And the other cool thing about our space is we're in the uh, Boston Seaport District, which if you've been to Boston, um, you know, and you haven't been in a while, you know, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, there was nothing in the seaport. It was really just like fishing trucks and like a couple bars and like nothing else. But if you've been more recently, it's kind of the hottest area in Boston. So we, we got kind of lucky that we ended up plopping down somewhere that is the most like, you know, desirable place for young people to live. A lot of breweries and restaurants popping up. We have, you know, Trillium down the street, Lord Hobo around the corner. Um, so it's really kind of become a really popping area, which is great for us. Um, and then the tour, yeah, the tour is super fun. You know, I've been a lot of tours myself, and I just think that, um, I think the way that we do our sampling is probably what people love the most. So <laughs> the uh, the way that it works is you get 20 minutes uh, in the tasting room with pretty much free range. Um, we have a bartender behind the bar, and you get to try whatever you want on tap. And we typically have, you know, uh, about 10 beers that are on tap for people to try. Um, it, it, that part is so popular that we've actually also developed a tour that you just get to go straight to the tasting room. We, we skip the brewing process and you just get right to drinking. Cause I think we, we all know, you know, when you go on a brewery tour, we know how the brewing process works. We know the ingredients. So let's just get to the fun part. Um, so that's been something that we've started doing recently and, and have had a lot of success with that. And the other cool thing about that room too, which I'm sure you remember, Wendy, is it's kind of like a beer can museum. Um, yes. So we actually have all the walls are like lined with really old, really cool beer cans. Um, so that's something that we've been collecting over the years that we're super proud of. It, it was definitely an awesome time. I highly suggest it to anybody who gets the chance. Um, so my other question though, is I was checking out the website, just looking at what was, has been going on. And I have got to know what is Mr. Swindle's traveling <laughs> peculiarium and how is it, did it come to be at your tap room? 
Um, that also, is, yeah. <laughs> what is a boutique big tap? Because I, I'm very interested. So to be perfectly honest with you, Wendy, we aren't even really quite sure what it is yet um, because we haven't done it yet. Um, so what happened was they reached out to us because they're like a traveling kind of Cirque du Soleil, Soleil and they like to partner with breweries that have space. Um, and we happen to have a big parking lot um, in the seaport, which is very rare. Um, so they're going to be setting up their tent um, and putting on a 90 minute show, which I honestly, we don't, we're not really quite sure what it is, um, but they're going to be with us for like four weeks. Um, and we're going to be setting up a beer garden outside. We're going to have some, you know, cool food items. We're doing a beer that was kind of Harry Potter inspired. So it's like a butter beer with whipped cream on top. Um, so that that's going to be fun, but we're going to have some contortionists coming to our Oktoberfest next weekend. Um, so that'll kind of be our first chance to really see what this is going to be like. Um, but yeah, these folks are out of Florida, so you know it's going to be wild. Um, but we're super excited to be hosting them and we're, to put on a really good show for the people of Boston. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of not sure what it's going to be like, but we're very excited. <laughs> so for people listening, that's October 12th through November 6th. And I am seriously trying to figure out a way that I can get there for that. <laughs> Hey, if you come to Boston, you tickets on me. <laughs> it's awesome. So um, you said earlier that you spent some time at Sam Adams, or I'm sorry, at Boston Beer Company, uh, doing their social media there. Um, have you found that there is a difference in strategy between the two? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest differences is the budget. I, <laughs> I had like a, you know, pretty much endless budget at Boston Beer. Uh, and I had, you know, agencies I was working with. I had pretty much any resource I could possibly want, um, which actually was part of the reason why I left, um, because I felt like I was kind of more of a gopher between a brand team and an agency in New York that was kind of coming up with the creative and creating stories and content is something I'm very passionate about. And I wanted to get back to a place where I was the one doing it myself. Um, so at Harpoon, you know, my budget is tiny. Um, and I have a very small team. Like I said, it's me, I have an intern and then I have one other person. Um, and I do have like a, some, a video team that I, that I outsource with, but the vast majority of our content is stuff that we're creating on our own smartphones. So if you take a look at like our Instagram and TikTok, you'll see that it's very much, you know, grassroots type content. And we've really kind of walked away from doing stuff that's too highly produced. And I really think that was just because it wasn't as successful as like the fun behind the scenes, goofy little videos that we've been making. Um, so I think, you know, that's definitely a big difference. I think the other big difference for me is that Sam Adams was a national brand and Harpoon is truly a New England brand. So I really get to focus more on Boston and focus more on New England in ways that I could never really do at Sam Adams. Makes sense. So um, for in between the time at the two companies, uh, you went left the industry. Um, what was it that brought you back? Yeah. So I, um, I, Boston beer does have a non-compete. So I, I had to do something on my one year timeout. Um, and I got lucky and ended up at extra tough, um, which is, you know, as most brewers know, great boot brand, a lot of them wear them. And really like the week my non-compete ended harpoon called me up and they were like, come join us. And I, at first I said, no, I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to go back into beer. Um, but then when I went and interviewed, I met, you know, the crew there and everyone was just so awesome. It was just something I couldn't say no to. And I think one of the really special things about Harpoon is that we're an employee owned company. Um, so everyone really has a stake with what's going on there. And I just think that the culture there is just so special. And it was something that I just 
had to take on, I, I couldn't say no to the opportunity. That's definitely awesome. I, I kind of got the vibe that it was a lot of fun to work there. So I can understand that. Um, so <laughs> one of my favorite beers I was telling you before you came on is Flannel Fridays. Um, I absolutely love that, Amber. Uh, is there any chance that we will see Harpoon distributed in Michigan at any point in time? Uh, I know. I not not it's not on the roadmap that I know of. I mean, we do like 85 plus percent of our volume in New England. And then we're also, you know, in New York, um, some other Northeast states. You can find us in Florida. You can find us in California. We usually send a truckload out there uh, for the Duncan collaboration. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're we're lacking in the Midwest, and, and especially we hear a lot from folks in Michigan and Illinois that they really want our beers. Um, so hopefully we can get back out there at some point. But in the meantime, I'll I'll make sure you get some flannel Friday. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Nick. Uh, what do you got going on there? Uh, just got done putting the baby to sleep. Well, I didn't put the baby to sleep. I was watching him until <laughs> my wife came home. Um, I got the Duncan Cold Brew from Harpoon to start off this evening. Excellent choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yep, yep. I agree. Fantastic. <laughs> Dan, I heard you had some questions. Yeah. So, you know, I've been sitting here drinking this open league here since we started listening to you guys talk. Kind of curious. Um, Social media wise, what's the reception been for this beer so far? Yeah, it's been super positive. I think, you know, it's it's funny, like we actually have been getting a lot of requests for non-alcoholic beers over the years. And especially, you know, over the last few years as athletic brewing has come onto the scene and has really kind of turned non-elk beers into something that people who do drink alcohol as part of their mix, you know, like it's not only for people who don't drink alcohol, it's people who, you know, maybe want to take a break, take a step and try something else. But yeah, we've had really great reception. And one of the fun things for us too, is since it's non-alcoholic, we are able to sell it direct to consumer on our e-store. And the six packs have honestly been flying out the door. Like people will order them. I think we had one order that someone ordered literally 10 six packs at a time. Um, So I think, you know, people were really excited about it. I know I'm really excited about it. Um, and it's just been a really good addition to our league family of beers. I'm not sure if you've had our rec league beer before, but that's kind of our better for you beer, um, that people really love. I would say like, that's definitely a close number two to Harpoon IPA. Um, so we really wanted to take all the, like the better for you ingredients and the flavor profile of rec league and make it be something, um, that was available for more people. So open league has been a really awesome addition to our family. And I, I recently did a, a video shoot, um, with one of our sales guys who was willing to embarrass himself. So, uh, we have some funny content that's coming out, um, in October. So I'm excited for people to get more, even more excited about it. Which is awesome too. I noticed that this is a 35 calorie, you know, there's a lot of NAs out there that even though they don't have alcohol in them, they still have one, two, 300 calories per can. So it really still doesn't even make a difference, especially if that's the thing you're trying to avoid. So it's always good to see that. Um, Do you know the roadmap as far as making more NAs go? Is there a plan for things besides uh, hazy IPAs or what's the situation there? Yeah, no plan quite yet. I mean, Open League just came out within the last couple of months, so we really want to kind of see where this goes. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it's definitely a possibility. I know we all really have been enjoying the liquid. And, you know, I think if we hear demand from consumers that they want it, it's definitely something that we'll look into. Now, I know a lot of breweries have trouble because of the process to make non-alcoholic beer. Um, is this made in-house or is it contracted out? It is contracted out. Yeah. So we um, work with the folks at FX Matt. 
um, to help produce this. But we were obviously very heavily involved um, in in the process. We have this guy, a a brewer, Tom Graham, um, on our team who's based in Windsor, Vermont, who's just a, a genius. Um, so he, he worked very heavily on this project. And I mean, we went through a ton of iterations, this beer coming out with this product, I think took us a couple years. Like it wasn't something that we were just like, let's just make the first thing that we like and thinks think it works. We had so many iterations of this beer. Um, so I think Tom, we might be taking a little break from doing another Nana cause it was so much work. Um, but you know, I think that it was a really great process and FX Matt is just such a great partner for us. Yeah, we've heard that with other uh, NA breweries we've talked to, where it really is a process trying to get that what you want and what you want it to taste like really dialed in because it is a different process. Um, I want to switch over to the social media side. I do, out of curiosity, um, you've been running this for a while. Do you have a story of what's the most ridiculous person you've encountered in social media, whether it be trying to heckle, harpoon, heckle? Anyone talk, anything negative, any kind of fun story you can tell us about that? Oh my gosh, <laughs> a fun story. I feel like getting heckled isn't typically fun, but I you guess- know, um, You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the funny things we did is, so I, I mentioned we have our Oktoberfest coming up pretty soon. And, you know, we do three major festivals a year. St. Pat's Fest is definitely one of our big ones. And we always tell people ahead of time, like, it's going to sell out for Saturday. I don't want to hear you crying in my DMs that it sold out. So it happened. Happened. And so what we did was we screenshotted people's DMs and made a meme out of it. And basically we're like, we told you so. And so people in the comments are like, damn, I just got called out. So it's been pretty funny to have the company kind of let me have more of an attitude and to really kind of make fun of our drinkers. Um, so, so that's, uh, that's probably an example I would, I would, I would think of. <laughs> I want to cut in real quick, Dan, sorry. Um, yeah. Because I know a lot of breweries, they, they have a struggle with dealing with customers who do get super upset at those types of instances, sellouts, beer releases that end, or, you know, you, you have a special tap uh, pour at a festival at 4 p.m. and they get there at 10 p.m. wondering why it's not there anymore. Um, what is your your mentality and your mantra when trying to deal with these, um, you know, upset customers that maybe in the back of your head you're thinking they don't deserve to be upset? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, customer service is just so important to us and it's just so ingrained in our culture that we want to make sure everyone feels welcome and listened to. So yeah, I mean, we respond to everybody, um, whether they come in through email, whether they're commenting on social media and we really do try to, for me, I I like to try to take it offline if I can, um, just because, you know, comment sections can get pretty toxic. So if it's somebody who had like a really, you know, serious situation where they were unhappy with something, our president is willing to call them or willing to email with them. I'll send them swag. Like we'll kind of do what needs to be done to a certain point. Um, But we do try to address everyone's concerns um, because, you know, our, our customers are like ambassadors for us for better or for worse. So we want to make sure that we have good relationships with them. All right. Actually, I have one more question here for you before I'm going to pass it on. Now going back to the Duncan um, partnership, What's something you'd like to see come out of that that you haven't done so far as far as a style of beer? Oh, man. That's a really good question. I, I talked before, I'm a big I'm a big cream ale person, so I was super excited about the coffee roll cream ale. Um, so it's, it's so it's so hard to figure out, like, what's going to be coming next with them because we've done, at this point, you know, nine, nine different beers with them. Um, 
I think one that often comes up is like doing like a Duncan regular. Um, so kind of like a more like sweet coffee beer um, where maybe, you know, when you, you see when somebody gets a lot of extra cream and sugar in their coffee, like that, like light color. I think that's something we hear from our, our sales team a lot is like, they just want like a really sweet coffee drink. So I think it'd be interesting for me to see what our brewers could pull off with that kind of challenge. Looking at your uh, open league, so I do have the open league hazy IPA right here. Again, if you're not watching live on Facebook or Twitch, you can check out the video on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash better on draft. My question to you, what is the the can art supposed to be? And is it supposed to be a Taco Bell from 1995? (laughs) So it's not supposed to be a Taco Bell from 1995, but now I can't unsee that. Um, but it's supposed to be, remember those, like, paper cups from, like, the 90s? That was in all that, of our parents, uh, you know, exactly. bathrooms. In the bathroom. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was the inspiration. Now, now I bet you can't unsee that. <laughs> uh, what, obviously, this was your ordeal with Reebok. Um, mm-hmm. excuse me, not open league, but rec league rec is league. what you guys did. Um, that yeah. was earlier this year. Uh, we actually talked about it on our news segment from June 24th. Go check out that episode. Uh, but this partnership actually supports box, uh, which is a free physical activity program for kids. How did harpoon get this relationship with Reebok and what should we see in the future between the two brands? Yeah, we've been working with Reebok for a number of years. Um, They've been a sponsor of the Harpoon Five Miler, um, which is a race we've been doing for, you know, over, I think, 20 years. I think it was the might have been the 20th anniversary last year um, that has raised millions of dollars for ALS research. Um, So that's really kind of where our relationship with them started. Um, It also helps that their corporate offices are now, you know, across the street from us. Um, So they used to be um, in a different part of Massachusetts, but now they're right in the seaport in the design center. So, you know, we would have a lot after work, you know, we'd see a lot of Reebok employees coming over, drinking beers. Um, So really our our relationship really just kind of grew from there. And the when we do our collaborations, they almost always have a charitable element. Um, and we always like to let our partner pick, like, what's something that's important to you? Um, so this is obviously something that was a big priority for them. And the cool thing about it was, um, I don't know if you saw the outer wrap, but um, another thing our design team likes to do is kind of take the look and feel of our partners and implement it into our craft beer artwork. So the 12 packs of Rec Leagues actually looked like a red Reebok shoebox um, which was really fun. Um, so that that was kind of our big thing that we did this summer. Um, and even like, you know, Duncan, uh, the outer wrap of that 12 pack, it looks like a box of Joe, but it says box of beer on it. Um, so we really kind of like to have fun um, with our partners uh, creative to make it, you know, make it a beer. Now, shoe sizes or feet come in all different sizes. How did you guys only do 10? Like, were they just 10 custom orders you printed after the fact, or did everyone just get one size in an attempt? So we, we have a bunch of, uh, of the sneakers that are being made. So some of them are going to wholesaler partners. Some of them are going to influencers, but then we only gave away 10. Um, so more are being produced. It's just only 10 were given away to consumers. I was just curious about that because we were like, oh, is it just going to be like a collector's item now no matter what? Because I, I wear a size 14 uh, 4E and I'm like, I don't think that's – I don't think my <laughs> Yeah, luck I don't think we went gonna, up that high on these. <laughs> most, most shoe companies don't. I'm very, very limited with what I can purchase. Uh, Nick, I guess we're an 8. <laughs> an 8? All right. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Nick, are you there? Everything good? Uh, can I pass it to you? 
Uh, you could certainly try. It is chaotic <laughs> right now, although it might not look at it if you're looking at me on camera. Um, I'm in between phones right now, so all my apps are all messed oh, up. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not fun. That's Any, my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, being that you're in, in marketing and it's especially on the digital side, I, I can only imagine just how glued you are to something like this. Yes. On the, on the note of being in digital marketing, being in your position, in your mind, how critical is digital marketing in the craft beer industry? And let me kind of frame it like this first. We don't see commercials about Harpoon, obviously not in the Midwest, uh, but we don't see uh, some of the bigger, even the bigger ones on television. Maybe we'll see them on like YouTube. Um, every once in a while, we'll see one of our bigger ones on a billboard inside a football stadium. And I'm talking about Old Nation, for example, where they're at Ford Field. In your mind's eye, how big and critical is digital marketing for your industry and why is it so important? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to inflate my ego or anything with this. No, but please I do. do. Please, <laughs> please do. This It is highly encouraged. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fucking deal, you know? No, I think that it's like it's, it's digital marketing is like it's super important. I think the number one reason it's important is because there's limited resources, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't see Harpoon commercials in Boston because I don't have the budget to do uh, commercials mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, so, really, the way that we're able to reach um, you know, people is through social media. Um, so I think it's, it's so important for every brewery to have a presence. Um, I just don't know how people even know about you. If you, if you don't have it, honestly, it, it's almost like, don't even bother opening your doors. If, if you don't have some sort of social media presence. Um, and I think that's kind of for any business, like it, it's not really, you can't really opt in anymore. It's a, it's not a nice to have. It's very important. And I remember, you know, back when I first started, you know, at Sam Adams, having to convince, you know, the CEO at the time, like, you need to give me a budget. Like, I can't just do organic social. Like, I had to fight with them to be like, no, like, this is where we have to be putting dollars. And, um, you know, that is where the bulk of, you know, our dollars are going on a marketing standpoint is to our digital marketing, because that's kind of the best way to reach as many people as we can. What is the craziest or most off the wall marketing uh, uh i'm not sure um uh, campaign we'll call it most off the wall marketing campaign you've ever done in your career whether here oh. for mass for harpoon massachusetts based brewing yeah. or boston beer co what's the most off the wall that you can think of off the top of your head that you were a part of or you like help orchestrate yeah um so April Fool's jokes used to be a really big thing for brands, right? So uh, one year at Sam Adams, we pretended that we brewed a beer with helium gas and that when you drank the beer, when you spoke, you it was you had like the high-pitched voice. So we um, filmed that like in the break room. We were sucking on helium tanks. Like I, I was really lightheaded. And, and so we filmed this video and it went absolutely viral, like, like they showed footage of it on CNN. Like I was on CNN, like sucking, like talking with a helium voice. So like that one was pretty wild. And that was like my first experience of like 
going viral. Um, so that was wild. And then a harpoon example, we did a TikTok a while ago. It was so dumb. I can't believe it went viral, but it was like our coworkers before and after a middle part. Um, so like we would show people with a side part and then show them with a middle part. That stupid video has like over 3 million views on TikTok. Like sometimes the stuff I have to do is just so dumb and I can't even explain it. But, um, but yeah, that, that would be my harpoon example. (laughs) Why are people so obsessed with a part? I, I think it's a Gen Z thing. Again, a lot of times my interns and, and my person, when they tell me that they want to do something, I'm like, I have no idea why this is funny or why this is relevant, but I'm going to trust you. And that was one of those ones. I was like, I, you were right. I can't believe this, this did something for us. So I, dumb. I actually found the Sam Adams Healy Yum. Yeah. Healy Yum. Healy Yum video. Yeah. It's H-E-L-I-Y-U-M. Yeah. And uh, there you are. You're right yes. there front and center <laughs> at the 59 second mark. Um, yep. Yep. And it's got, it's got well over 1.7 million views. So yeah. Kudos. Was, yeah. Awesome. HuffPost said we won April fool's day that year. So, so that was a big win. Get national, national press, national attention and uh, kudos from a, a well-known newspaper. I, yeah. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. That was a win. win. Um. <laughs> Ken, I'm going to pass it on over to you. All right, then. Uh, Now, uh, it feels like, you know, in in 2022, everyone has a podcast. And I hear you have a podcast as well uh, called New England Originals. Uh, How was this show created and how do you go about choosing your guests? Yeah, so I'm a big podcast nerd. Like, I I listen to a ton of podcasts. I've been guests on a bunch of podcasts, and I really want creating a podcast was something I really wanted to do. Um, And I, you know, there are a couple other breweries that were doing it. New Belgium has one. I've been a guest on that. Um, Allagash has one. Um, And really, what we wanted to do is again, like, just test and learn um, storytelling. So, the really the concept is. Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA, and we have fun with that because everyone is so hyped up on New England-style IPAs. That's just kind of a little bit of a, you know, a wink and a nudge that, like, hey, Harpoon was actually the original New England IPA. Um, so what, what we what we want to do and what I've learned with, like, social content is, like, how do we tell stories that are kind of in our orbit that but aren't directly about us? Like, no one wants to hear somebody just talk about themselves or their flagship beer all the time. So what we really wanted to do was tell stories about it, people that we think are interesting in New England and people that we've had partnerships with. So our first episode was with Joe Papa, who's the founder or second generation owner of Mike's Pastry here in Boston, which if you've ever been in Boston, um, everyone has the white box uh, with the blue Mike's Pastry lettering. Exactly. Yeah. So we did a beer with them and we've done it for a few years. And the can again is a white can where we use their font and it's like a Mike's Pastry stout. Um, so we wanted to bring him on because, you know, we did the beer with him. We have a good relationship and everybody knows Mike's pastry, but do they really know Mike's pastry? So we really got to learn, you know, about Mike, the his his uh, stepfather um, and really hear him tell that story. Um, so that was a really great one. And then we most recently had um, the sausage guy, um, Dave Littlefield. So he is a, a sausage vendor um, who is famous, basically. I mean, he's on Lansdowne Street. So we go to a Red Sox game. He's down there vending. He vends at all of our festivals. So he's just like a character that, again, he has notoriety. People know who he is, but do they actually know much about him? Um, so it's really just trying to find who are these interesting people that 
you know, people are going to want to learn more about them. Um, so we're, you know, I think three episodes in, we're going to test out, do six episodes and take a break. That'll be our season one and really kind of decide like, you know, are we getting enough reach? Is it worth the effort? Cause as you know, podcasts are a lot of work. I mean, I, we spend an hour, you know, recording it. And then I probably spend another four hours editing it to take a 60 minute conversation down to 30 minutes. Um, so it's something that we're definitely putting a lot of time and effort into, but we're getting a lot of good reception so far and, and I'm definitely having fun with it. Having the structured podcast like that has never been something I wanted to do just because of all the time. Like, you know, our show it's is a pain. <laughs> it, it is. Our show is two hours long. Um, so I can only imagine what we would have to do to, to cut it down. But, but um, to say, Ken, remember when we were super structured at the very, very start? Oh, for remember sure. That? For sure. Oh, it was. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we'll you guys, like that. you know, spe- speaking of events, you guys have your Oktoberfest coming up next weekend, mm-hmm. um, along with your Dogtoberfest. Yes. Uh, what sets your guys' party separate from other Oktoberfests within the industry? So the original Oktoberfest that we had was we thought it was, you know, it's 30 years ago. We thought we were going out of business. So we were like, screw it. Let's just throw a huge ass party and go out with a bang. And so we threw this huge party and a lot of people showed up and a lot of people bought a lot of beer. And that party actually saved our company and was able to give us enough capital to make it through the winter um, to be able to continue operating as a brewery. So it's kind of like our birthday party in a lot of ways. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is how freaking big it is. I mean, over that three day period, we're going to probably have 12 to 15,000 people um, come through uh, the festival, which is insane. Um So that's definitely a big thing. I think another kind of funny thing is Harpoon is almost like a matchmaking service. We have had so many people meet their future spouse at our festivals. A lot of people get drunk and make out at (laughs) Oktoberfest. And some of those have turned into marriages and families, which we we love to see. Um, But it's just, it's such a good time. And, And I think, you know, it's just, you know, the big parking lot. We got two stages with music. It's not a ton of programming. It's like, come in, drink some beers and meet new people. I think at Harpoon, like people really come to interact with other people they don't know. It's not like you go with your group of four people. You don't talk to anybody else the whole time. It's really a party environment where you're welcome to talk to other people and make new friends and meet new connections. Now the Dogtoberfest, what does that uh, entail? Yes. (laughs) So that I almost feel like we did that just as like um, therapy for all of our employees for surviving Oktoberfest Um, because we do all work the festival like I'll be there working it all weekend. Our president and CEO will be there working it all weekend. So what really, to be honest, it was we have this infrastructure set up. It's expensive to put up all these tents and things like that. So we try to tack on an event to it to make it worth it. So we're like, let's try this Dogtoberfest thing. And it's been really successful. And this year we're partnering with the MSPCA, which we usually partner with them, but we're doing like a a race with them. Um, And last year we had a thousand dogs. Um, And I don't care how many humans there were, but there were a thousand dogs that came through the space, which is wild. Um, And the MSPCA also brings adoptable dogs. So um, they have, you know, a little area where people can meet and greet. And, you know, we've helped dogs find homes, which is really awesome. And it's a family friendly event. Um, So kids are able to be there. Um, It's way more low key uh, than Oktoberfest. Um, But it's it's a lot of fun. And you brew a beer for the dogs, correct? 
We do. Yeah, we brew a beer. It's uh, called Bow Wow Brew, and it's like a peanut butter, non-alcoholic beer, obviously. But yeah, we put it out in these big, you know, troughs uh, for the dogs to be able to come up and drink right out of it. It's super funny. What other events does Harpoon um, offer throughout the year? Yeah, so St. Pat's Fest is like our big first event of the year. Um, So, you know, that one, it's, you know, that time of year in Boston is tricky when it comes to the weather. So it's usually freezing cold, um, but we have heated tents. And that's another one that just draws thousands of people. Um, and then we have our Harpoon Fest in the summertime, which is actually a music festival. Um, so we really bring try to bring on a lot of local indie acts um, and cover bands, kind of bands who are like up and coming. Um, so people can really kind of discover new talent that are New England based, which is super fun. Um, And then that is the same weekend that we have our Harpoon Five Miler, um, which, like I mentioned, you know, we get usually 5,000 runners uh, running a five mile race and raised millions of dollars for ALS research. Um, So that's our big one. Then our Oktoberfest. And then in the winter, um, we've historically done something called Harpoon Help Spread Holiday Cheer, um, where we have a bunch of people come to the brewery and then they get assigned to a different nonprofit or community center in the Boston area. And we give them a big box of decorations and a fake Christmas tree. And they go out to these different locations and they set up Christmas trees and decorations for them for the holidays. Um, So that's another fun event that we've been doing for a really long time. And then we definitely have, you know, trivia nights at the beer hall. Um, We did a pitch a pal event last year that we want to bring back where basically we asked singles in Boston to come and uh, make a PowerPoint presentation about their single friend to pitch them to the audience to help them find a date. Um, So that was a super fun event. And I think we're going to be doing that one again uh, next year. Who came up with that idea? I did. You did. <laughs> but but it's not but it's not I I came up with the idea to bring it to Harpoon. It's something that has been happening in Boston for a while. Um and now there's a new thing that's been happening in Boston where it's a comedy show where they have two people go on a first date like in front of the whole audience. Um, so that's, I need to reach out to that person because I really want to bring them, uh, to our brewery. Cause I, I did stand up for a number of years. So I, I, a little dialed into the Boston comedy scene. So there's some really funny, interesting stuff that goes on around here, but pitch a pal was definitely a good time. <laughs> and you guys are brutal in Boston. I would not <laughs> trust any of my friends to do a PowerPoint presentation about me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there there has to be someone who does like the complete negative, like tells the negatives of all their pal <laughs> in an attempt to pitch. Like if you could love him at his best, here's yeah, or at right? his worst, Seriously. here it is. Yeah. I feel like that would be the one that gets the dates though, because that's just the you know the complete opposite of what everyone is saying and goes through. You said you were a sta- you were or are a stand up comedian. So I I I have I, my last show I did literally like the week before the world shut down with the pandemic and now I just like can't stay awake past nine o'clock so I, I haven't found uh, shows that are like early enough uh, to do it but honestly like all of the work I've been doing with Harpoon with um, the TikToks and the videos has kind of been scratching that itch for me um, so I'm still getting to do a lot of comedy which has been super fun. What do we expect in the future for Harpoon Brewery? Do we have any upcoming collaborations, anything that's happening um, with uh, other nonprofits that you guys are working with? 
That's a good question. Um, I mean, we obviously always have stuff going on. Uh, one of the beers that we are excited about is uh, we have a New England style IPA that we're going to be coming out with. So we used to have it. It was called Juicer. It went away um, and people have been begging for us to bring it back. So we've refreshed the recipe a little bit and that'll be coming back. Um, I think it's going to be in the winter variety pack this winter. Um, so that's something that's going to be coming out. Um, trying to think of new. Oh, this fall, we're going to be doing a program with L.L. Bean. Um so we're going to be giving away an opportunity to go on a kayaking camping trip with them in Maine. Um, so you'll get to, I think, stay overnight and do like a lobster bake and have plenty of beer. Um, and they have a, a nonprofit, I think, that supports like the outdoors um, that we're going to be working with. So that'll be this fall. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I don't like we don't like plan things out like super far in advance, you know, like I feel like at Boston Beer, it was very much like, OK, like we already know what we're doing a year from now, but at Harpoon, like we really are open to new opportunities that present themselves. Um, so, you know, there's probably so much cool shit that we're going to be doing next year that we don't even know about yet. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it takes us. We've talked a lot about the Boston brewery itself, but you guys actually have a couple more sites, one in Vermont and another one in, and I'm probably going to butcher uh, saying it, but Worcester, you did it, uh, Massachusetts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you the story of uh, me butchering it before and wh- how I know to properly pronounce it offline after. Uh, but <laughs> w- what is the differences? What makes each brewery unique to the other? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Boston is obviously our flagship. We're known for the pretzels. We're known for the tour. We're known for throwing huge parties. Vermont, our brewery in Windsor, Vermont, which I, I was there this week because I get up there as often as I can is like our best kept secret. So it was originally the Catamount Brewery, which was like the one of the first breweries uh, that opened up in Vermont. Um, and it became the Harpoon Brewery in year 2000. Um, and we have a full on restaurant with like awesome food. Like, and we have a, a new chef that we brought on this year um, who just completely revamped our food offerings. We have like a peanut butter jelly burger. Like he does all kinds of really cool stuff. So anytime I can go up there to eat a meal, I will do it. Um, and then the location is just amazing. I mean, it's in Southern Vermont. So it's right over the New Hampshire border and it's right on the Connecticut river. Um, so like we host this barbecue fest event in Vermont every uh, for the last like 20 years. And Um, you know, we all go up and work it. Our brewers all camp out. Um, you know, after we were working all day, like we were swimming in the river, drinking beers. Um, so that's not really something uh, you get to do in Boston. I mean, I guess you could jump into the Harbor and I know some have, but I think that the Vermont brewery is just, yeah, like amazing food, uh, probably a little bit more family oriented. Um, uh, it's dog friendly. We have a ton of outdoor space. Um, so yeah, the Vermont brewery is, is incredible. It's a pretty cool place to, yeah. to go visit. I, I was there right before the world basically stopped for uh, um, our one, my wife and I's one year anniversary. We did our trip of New England, and oh, that's the Vermont. Awesome. The Vermont Brewery was one of our first stops. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like people don't even know it's there because I think when they think Vermont beer, they don't think harpoon but i mean we've been brewing in vermont for you know 20 years so we definitely see ourselves as vermont brewers and yep, yep. The other cool you know thing, it's yeah it's just so it's 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 a it's it, we took it took us a moment to find it but when mm-hmm. you got there it was packed yeah and and when you say best kept secret i i couldn't agree more yeah and in the winter time we this last year we built these like outdoor huts 
Um, so we get a lot of opera ski folks that come through. So we have a huge outdoor space with fire pits. And then we have these private huts that you can rent out. Um, they're just super cool, kitschy little huts. Um, so yeah, it's a really great place for folks who are outdoorsy into beer and, and like good food. And you can bring your dog. It's dog friendly, which is which I wish we had in Boston all the time, but we don't. <laughs> As we end this show... Uh, we'll give you opportunity to do a little bit more uh, promotion for Harpoon Brewery and everything that uh, is under the Mass Bay umbrella. Uh, but we all want to ask one final question uh, before we go. So I am going to kick it over to Wendy. Wendy, what is your final question? Uh, if I am coming to visit the Boston Tap Room this weekend, what is the one beer I need to try? Oh, man. Um, so we just did a collaboration beer um, with a brewery in Worcester um, and it is raising money for the Rhett Foundation. Um, it's called Pretty Angels and we brewed it with Double Down Brewing Company and it's a sour uh, IPA brewed with raspberries and another fruit that I'm blanking on, but that's definitely the one you got to try because it's there for a limited time and it's for a great cause. Fantastic. Daniel. All right. Um, Going back to the social media side, what is one trend in social media you wish you could remove or get rid of? Oh my God. Um, influencers. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. Well, how come? I'm curious now. Dude, the amount of money I get charged for a post or like people want for a post, like it can be like thousands of dollars for someone just to post one thing. And it's just one of those things that it's a necessary evil. So there are influencers who I love, like Boston beer girl, Erica Johnson here in Boston. She's my girl. I love her. But there's definitely a certain subset of influencers who I'm like, why is this a thing? You're famous for nothing and you're wanting thousands of dollars. So yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably the trend I'd go with. (laughs) It's so <laughs> I I just thought you were thinking maybe they were like a little too full of themselves, but uh, as you bring up as you bring up the cost that people charge to to make a post or a branded post, yeah, you're right. Uh, Nick, what's your final question? I don't know if I can ask. That. I don't know if I can ever ask that question because that just made my night. Oh, that was awesome, Megan. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. making my no evening. problem. Um, oh, I I don't even know where to go after that one. Um, what is a beer that you would love for Harpoon to take on if you had the opportunity to influence uh, that they haven't made yet? Is there oh, something God. that you would really? Is there something you would really like to see the brewers at Harpoon like to take on that they yes. really haven't like dived into or just Pilsner. Pilsner, Pilsner, hands down. We like rec league is probably our, our closest to like an easy drinking beer. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only have, so I love harpoon IPA, but you know, if you have one too many of those, you might black out. Like I need like harpoons version of Miller light, like give me that right in my veins. Um, and so I know, I know they're working on something. Um, so I, I hope I don't have to wait much longer, but yeah, absolutely. A Pilsner. Whenever I go to any brewery, that's the first thing I try. Cause it's like, if you can't do that right, you can't do much else. Right. In my opinion. So, um, Pilsner's my, my jam. Do you think right. that the industry needs like a course correction on ABV and having a lot more lower ABV beer yes. options? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For, and that, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, like, I, when I'm going out drinking, like, that's what I look at first now. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties, you know, I don't want to like 
die or have a two day hangover. So it's like, I'm looking for the, you know, 5% and under beers. Like that's, that's what I want. All right. My final question for you uh, is who is one guest you want to get onto your new England original show? Ooh, that's a good question. I trying to think. So we brewed a beer with Sam Mewis and she's on the U S women's national soccer team. Um, and I'm a huge soccer fan. Um, so if I could get Sam on the podcast, I would be so hyped. Well, there it is. That's your goal for the next six months, Megan. I'm going to release you to, uh, get Sam on your show for season two. Uh, that's going to do it for better on draft. Uh, Megan, where can they find you on all the social medias? You got to have them all memorized. Oh, yeah. At Harpoon Brewery across the board. <laughs> Makes life so much easier for my co-hosts, Dan, Nick, and Wendy, and myself. Thank you so much for joining us. Go check out Harpoon Brewery the next time you're in the New England area. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better on draft. Have a good night. Peace.